Our gospel passage may be only eight verses long, but it covers a lot of ground. Jesus predicts his passion a second time. The disciples are afraid to ask questions, but then they get into an argument over who is the greatest. Jesus instructs them to receive a child as openly as they receive him. Our first reading from Wisdom reflects Jesus' passion prediction, and our second reading from James speaks about the sins of comparing ourselves to others. Today, let us concentrate on the idea of servant. Jesus tells the apostles that they must be servants of all people. The Aramaic word that Jesus uses for child can also be translated as servant. And it is through Christ's passion that he became the lowest of the low, so that we may be exalted. Lord Jesus, you suffered greatly because you loved us. Lord, have mercy. Christ Jesus, you invite us to become blessed and broken as you were. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, we long to see your face. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Pope Francis is scheduled to arrive in the United States on Tuesday. He's already in Cuba. And we will surely be talking about his visit for a long time. How has Francis captured everyone's imagination? Well, I think Francis gets what people are like. He understands the power of his smile and his gestures. He understands the day-to-day challenges we face as Christian disciples. While Francis calls repeatedly for people and nations to do monumental things, He also preaches fervently for us to amend our daily lives in smaller ways. And our gospel gospel passage today seems to veer from the monumental to the trivial at lightning speed. Why in the world, after Jesus predicts his passion and death, do the disciples turn to arguing over who is the greatest? Well, the answer is right there in Mark's gospel. They were afraid. So many of us struggle with the sins of comparison, gossiping, bad-mouthing, and being judgmental. And we seem to fall into these sins when we, like the disciples, are afraid. Personally, I find that when I feel insecure, that is when I start comparing myself to others. I feel confident that God has given me adequate gifts as a musician and a priest. If people give me constructive criticism about my singing or my preaching, I can usually accept it without feeling threatened. But throw me into a crowd of people I don't know, especially when I'm not dressed as a priest, and I get fearful. And when I'm afraid, such as when I'm at a party with people I don't know or whenever I step into a gym, I behave like those disciples desperately trying to assure myself that I'm at least as good as everyone else in the room, if not better. Theodore Roosevelt, of all people, said it quite well. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. The good news is, in the past few years, I've become better at recognizing my fear. 
When I sense it, I immediately ask the Holy Spirit to reassure me of God's love for me, just as I am. Now, I still succumb to the sins of comparison, but not nearly as frequently as I used to. Jesus tells the disciples that they must receive children if they wish to be received by the Father. And we may hear this as a call to innocence, trust, and vulnerability, but that's probably not Mark's point. It's hard for us to believe this today, and it might be really uncomfortable for the parents of small children to hear this, but in the first century, children were considered to have no value. They were considered non-persons in Middle Eastern society. They were burdens to their families until they were old enough to earn their keep. Jesus says that we must find value in people whom society thinks have no value. When we look into the eyes of the lowliest people, true disciples will treat them with love and dignity. Scholars believe that the Aramaic word that Jesus would have used for child is talia. Talia could refer to a child or to a servant. It's no coincidence that Jesus would use this word. He just told the disciples that they must be servants of all. Servants. What a strange word for us Americans to wrestle with. Very few of us, if any of us in this room, literally have servants. But then again, probably none of Jesus' disciples had servants either. And I doubt that many of the Christians of the next generation for whom St. Mark was writing had servants either. But then again, most of us interact with all kinds of people who serve us in one way or another. We live in the middle of a service-based economy. Students pay the tuition that provides for a whole network of service personnel maintenance workers, food service employees, adjunct professors who are all scraping to get by. And if you have a college education, when you enter your first job out of school on day one, it is likely that there will be people working under you, even on that first day. Almost all of us interact with people in lower paying jobs on a daily basis when we go out shopping, when we go to sporting events, when we go out to eat. Take a moment to pray about it. When we are standing in line at the checkout counter, do we ever judge the people serving us? If we are most likely to be judgmental when we are afraid, what in the world are we scared of when we're waiting in line? Perhaps we should talk to God about that on a regular basis. Which brings us back to Pope Francis, the man who famously paid his own hotel bill after being elected Pope, who rode the subway regularly as Archbishop of Buenos Aires, who washes the feet of prisoners, who speaks out on behalf of immigrants. There has been great speculation about what Francis will do and say while he's in the United States. But I think there's one thing we can be sure of. Francis will challenge us to care more for the poorest of the poor among us, in our cities, in our nation, and around the world. For over 1,400 years, popes have referred to themselves as the servant of the servants of God. 
Part of Pope Francis' appeal is how clearly he lives out this idea of serving the least among us. Let's stop allowing the sin of comparison to steal our joy. When we see worth in the faces of the people whom the world thinks are worthless, then we will see the face of God.